Okay, so tonight's Chavura is on the topic of intellectual property, and last, this is the second Chelek. The last time we spoke more about the concept of a patent, and this time we're going to talk more about the concept of copyright. <coughs> so just to uh, clarify once again the difference between them, in secular law, they have different terms. In halacha, they come from also different makairis. The concept of a patent, as it exists in secular law, is to protect, protect business, which means that we want people to create new technology, we want people to create inventions, um, we want the drug companies to create new drugs. So in order for them to do that, they have to be guaranteed that they will be able to profit from their invention and not like as soon as they invent it, someone's going to steal it or use it. So there's a, uh, the, the process of protecting that right is called patent. And in order to get a patent, you have to apply for it. You have to pay a lot of money to get a patent. It has to be approved. And then you have to be ready to defend it and so on and so forth. That's the concept of a patent. Um, in halacha, the concept of a patent is what we discussed last time. It's really related to the concept of yeri l'tech umnes meaning to say that the, the protection of a patent in halacha is not because you're stealing if you utilize someone else's um, innovation. It's not stealing. It's not gezel, but it's yeri l'tech umnes which means you're being mazik someone else's business. You're ruining someone else's business, and if he's protected by a patent, then you would it will be also for you to do that. And the place where it began uh, was in regard to printing svarim. And the story we discussed last time was the Maram Padava, who is Bendera of the Ramah, <clears throat> and the Maram Padava had printed a Rambam. So obviously he didn't have intellectual property rights to the Rambam, right? That belonged to the Rambam, if anybody. So he didn't have intellectual property rights, but he did want a patent, meaning to say he had invested a lot of money in printing this Rambam and in making a beautiful Madura of the Rambam. So he wanted to be protected that no one else should be allowed to print, to print a Rambam for 10 years or whatever the, the amount of time he wanted. And the Ramah agreed that he should be protected, and that was because of mainly Yeridel Techum Neschaveri. He had some other svaras which weren't really applicable to outside that particular case, because that case had other assets, uh, aspects also. But as far as everything else, that's what that was. And that became a minig. Some cipher says later, many, many years later, some 300 years later, some cipher says that it developed into a minig meaning to say that became a, an accepted rule amongst Meichrim that if you print a Sefer and you invest a lot of money in, in, in creating the Sefer, you are entitled for 25 years of uh, rights to that printing and no one else can challenge your business. And it was a, it was a custom that they would write that in the Haskama. It used to be actually the reason why you got a Haskama was not to say that your Shtikultaira is a good Shtikultaira. The point of a Haskama initially was only for this, to protect your business. That's what Haskam is for, that the Rabbanim who gave you Haskam wrote, no one should, uh, should challenge this person and for the next 25 years. It's uh, it's it's a, it's a You look at all the old Haskamas, that's what they say. <laughs> they don't talk about it. They say, they, they, that's what they write about mainly. They don't write about the Teichon of the Sefer. <coughs> so that's that's all patents. It was kind of, it sounds like that's the way the Minig developed. You need to have a Rav that would be Maskim, that you're entitled to get this patent. And then, then the patent could go into effect. That is was the this, way. The what? svara is that everyone's masking to his like what 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 is the kayak? It was more like a minute at that point. I mean, there are more holes that it's really sim, simple concept of Yerod Lomnus Chaveri, but the Chesam Sefer says is that like, that's what developed into a Minig Medina, that developed into the Askamas HaSayr, you know, you can, do, you can create, that's a whole other sugi, not, it's not for us right now, but you can create 
um, laws. Uh, like there was a concept, used to be a concept of a, um, uh, a, a, a guild, right? A guild means that all the wood carvers in one city created like a kind of a union of sorts where they made certain laws and certain rules and the, the Gemara says that they can, they can force each other to stick to that. So that, that's basically what he says, that's a, that kind of many medina. That's, that's, that's really the concept of a patent. That's what a patent is. That's what we discussed last time. Now again, that's not gezel. What we're going to talk about this time, which is the second half of this sugya, which really only started to be discussed way later, in the 1800s, in the Shal Meshev, in the Beis Yitzchak, um, they started talking about copyright, which is, that is, in, again, in secular law, copyright means that if you are mechadish something, and, and it is very specific, it's art, uh, it's poetry, uh, you author a book, you make up music, so it has to be some form of creation. I, I don't know the exact legal definition of it, and it's, I don't know if anybody really knows, because <laughs> there's constant lawsuits about it. But whatever it is, if you some kind of innovation of that sort, you're protected automatically by copyright. You don't even have to apply for it. It's an automatic protection. If you want to actually be able to fight it in court, you need to apply you know, to get an official one, but essentially you have that right, and that right also is guaranteed for life, and for certain, depending on what it is, after you're dead as well. You have protection, whereas a patent is only always limited, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, depending on the patent. So that's the difference on ha- in halacha as well, what we're going to talk about today is the right called the fact that you created something original, are, does that entitle you halachically that it's yours? There's such a concept of bilus on something that you created, some, something that you were machadish, in this case, svarim or taira, that you were machadish. Do you have bilus on it in so much that if someone takes it, he's stealing? And the, the issue is, is, does that make sense even? Like, can you steal to Dabashem by Mamish? What kind of bilus is that? What source do we have that you could have bilus on something like that? And that's what got into this schmooze of the Shalomeshev and the Beis Yitzchak and, and so on and so forth. Um, so it's interesting. It's like this. Historically speaking, <clears throat> there was a huge. I, I think the biggest copyright, so to speak, debate that rocked the whole uh, the whole Yiddish community of Europe and all the Tamid and all the Batidinim was very famous. Machlokes the Slavita Shas and the Vilna Shas, which you might have heard of. The Slavita Shas was, was, uh, cr- was created first. The Slavita Shas was created by two grandsons of Rapinchas Karitzer. Actually, his son started it, and then the, the grandsons took over. Their name was Shapiro. They were grandsons of Rapinchas Karitzer. They were Hasidim. And they, they could, built a printing press that was going to be only used for Dwaram Shavik Dusha. They would not print anything else. Yeish Aymrim, that they even tiveled the machines in a mikvah, as people say, as I document. And uh, they printed a shas, it was a beautiful shas, it was a beautiful fuss of the shas, it was very quality, high quality paper, um, and it was a very, very popular thing. And they got a protection from... The was it set up the same, same way as... The as the Vilna shas, for the most part it was the same, the, 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 the differences generally between the Vilna shas and this one we'll see is, was in the back. Like the, the Vilna shas had a lot of additions in the back, they also added like the Beit HaKadamal on the side, these kind of things. But the actual text of the, 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 the Tura Sadaf was pretty much the same. But they, they printed it, and they got a protection, and they got, well, got a very, very widespread protection, like Rabbi Kveger signed on that, and some Seifers gave it to them, and many of the Gdela Adar all gave them the protection, and they got 15 years' worth of protection for their investment. What was this protection? 
No one else could print the shas. They got a protection of Yerod Lutechom Nuzchaver. Now, the thing is, what happened was, was that their whole printing got sold out in much quicker than 15 years. They thought it would take 15 years to sell out their printing. It did not. It sold out much faster than that. So it sold out like in 10 years. Um, and then the Vilna, uh, in Vilna, there was two Litvisha um, people. Uh, their family called Ram. Resh Aleph Mem Mem, and uh, then one of the, the father died, and it was then his widow was called Alman of Ha'achem Ram, and they printed the Vilna Shas. And the Vilna Shas was a was was truly a, a monumental undertaking. They have a if you ever want to look at Masatis Nida in the back, they have something called Akris Dover, like twenty pages where they write about how much work they put into the Vilna Shas, tremendous amount of work, and they had to dig up the old Kisve Yadis. They got the Ben Chananel. They 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 retrieved that from Kisav Yad. They actually. Wrote that they they in order to to get it they had to go to the Vatican because the Vatican had the majority of the Kisviyadis and there was a problem that the Vatican was closed for the summer months so it was like had a four month break and uh, they didn't open for anybody like there was no no chachmas he couldn't get into the library and they was going to hold up their printing and they had already gotten pre orders for certain volumes of the shas. You know, to, in order to finance it, they had already gotten pre-orders, so they really had to, to deliver on time. And they managed somehow to get the Vatican to open for them and even stay open on, on secular holidays. Like they did, it was an unusual amount of siyat they had. And they got, um, they got, uh, they, they made a tremendous work and they dug up all the things that you see in the back, all those things they describe were rusting away in people's uh, libraries and no one even knew them, no one could even read them, half of them written in a different kind of script. So they put a tremendous amount of work and they created this shas, but they violated the 15-year. But it was after all the original printing sold out. So it became a big machlaikis. Um, is it, does their schus of the first one of the Slavita based on the amount of time, which is 15 years, so then the Vilna Shas has to wait, or was it just based on the printing and the printing sold out, so then now the Vilna Shas is entitled to sell, and that became a huge machlekes all over Europe. It Why went, would the, the, the amount of time have any specific... Uh, a lot of times that's what, you know, it was, both were written in, so uh, the question was like kind of Tveslash recent Tveslash Nachron, which one was the one, what were they really basing it off? To protect their investment, maybe it was enough that they sold out their original printing. So now they were protected. They got back their money that they invested in the creation. So there's no Yerod Tzachom Neschaver anymore. That was a shout. There was no one who thought that it was unreasonable to disallow anyone from printing any shots. Yeah. No, no. Now it seems so strange to us. But there weren't that many printing presses that could undertake a, a monument. There were only two. Only them. No one else tried even. So it wasn't like it was such a big deal. It made sense. You wanted a, if you wanted someone to invest the amount of money and effort it took to print the shots, you had to protect them. I mean, it's not. It's, uh, within the sugya of Yaretah Hamnas is construed that, that broadly, where, like, we'll say, like, you know, Okay, yeah, like so I said, that's getting that's more the patent. I don't want to get get sidetracked with it. I, I I'm mentioning this for a very specific reason. So anyway, this was this rocked the whole the whole Europe. There's a big machlekes that Paiskim went up the chain. Kveger was the god Ladar. Kveger eventually paskined that the uh, Acham Ram were were entitled to print their thing, and the and the, the Slavita had no schos. And Lamaisa after that it became a little ugly, and some people were. They became from the Slavita, from the Shapiro brothers. They said that Kveger had been, uh, he was old, and he had been fooled by his son, or Schleimager, who was also Galadar. And Rabbi Kveger got very upset by that, and he wrote a letter that he basically said that I can't be Michael you for doing that, to design a Kveda Torah. And uh, first of all, how could you say such a thing about me? And how could you say such a thing about my son? And he's not Michael them. And in the end, they both, uh, what ended up happening to them was that there was a Gaiusha worker there in the printing press that hung himself, and then they made a whole, Maskila made a whole uh, 
uh, Bilbo that it was them, but they caused this guy to die because whatever it was, they ended up getting thrown into prison. They get, ended up getting thrown sent to Siberia. They suffered tremendously, and they attributed it to that to the fact that they had caused this bizarre to Kveger. And the Achim Ram didn't end up that much better either. They also, for their part in the Machlech, they also had uh, their their printing press brought, burnt down, and they. No one, no one came out too, too great out of this machlekes, bottom line. Now, the reason I'm mentioning it is like this. The reason I'm mentioning it is because in, in modern copyright law, the Achim Ram and the Slavita Shas would be protected by copyright, not just by patent. They would be protected by copyright. If you take something, even if it's information that's available out there, but you alter it and you present it and you typeset it uh, significantly enough with originality, you are protected by copyright. Look, in, if you look in every art scroll sitter, right, they did not invent the sitter, <laughs> they didn't invent the hillum, but they are protected by copyright. They're protected for their typeset, they're protected for their everything, their presentation, everything they did. They are protected by copyright law, but uh, in the, the chuvas that talk about copyright, they do bring in the Slavita and the Vilna Machlaikis, they mention it, but no one seems to be whole that that was a proof one way or another to, to, to the laws of copyright. In other words, even the Slavita people, um, weren't claiming copyright against the, the Vilna. The truth is, Vilna didn't really use Slavita. They didn't use their tfus, they didn't use their set, they didn't use their, 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 you know, their uh, plates. So I don't, the copyright wouldn't have really prevented them from doing for what they did. But it's just interesting that, that that was actually what the biggest case in the history of copyright in halacha was that case of the Slavita Shatz. It went on for almost a century, actually. The, the back and forth. It was it was a very long, schlopping thing. So anyway, it's not, you can't you can't go through the sugi without mentioning that uh, that that machlekes was interesting. So now the the actual question of copyright itself uh, began began with uh, if you have a schus or not began with the shalom meshiv, who was asked about a pischet tshuva. You're familiar with pischet tshuva in Shulchan Aruch? It's on, uh, in, in, in Arachayim, it's shari tshuva, it's written by one person. In Yaradei, it's pischet tshuva, it's written by a different person. Same idea, right? They bring all the tshuvas of the Achreinim, and, and uh, it was a very popular safer. So it was printed initially in a Shulchan Aruch that had just bare heitev and, and pischet tshuva. It was a small, like a size Shulchan Aruch. And then someone named... Um, Rav uh, Waldberg, no, Rav, someone named Rav Balaban, Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef Hirsch Balaban made a new print with the whole Shulchan Aruch and the Pesach on the bottom. I don't know if it's exactly what our print was, but something similar. And it was a big Shulchan Aruch and it had the whole Shulchan Aruch, other Mepharshim plus Pesach And Rav, uh, someone named Rav Avram Yosef Matfis, that might be his last name, might not be his last name, but he was a Matfis, he was a printer. So Rav Avram Yosef Matfis uh, he claimed that he had bought the schos for Pischei from the Pischei or from his children. So, the, so Rabbi Ram Yosef was being Teveya Rav Balaban. So Rav Balaban printed the Pischei with a beautiful Shulchan Aruch and a new typeset. And he said, what's going on over here? I bought the rights to Pischei from the Pischei himself. So this was the first. Never, no one ever did that before. People printed their own Chedushim and got protection for their own Chedushim. People printed the Rambam, who was, you know, a thousand years earlier, and wanted protection. This has just happened, right? It was one generation later. He bought this Chusim from the Mechaber himself, and this is a whole new kind of claim. It was a brand new claim, right? A brand new claim is that I have a right to it because I bought it. What's that? Right, so that was what the Shalom Meshiv dealt with. So let's take a look a little bit of this Shalom Meshiv. So if you say if you say Yerat Chavere, it shouldn't matter who. who so it was after that time already. So like right. that Yerat Elomus Chavere time had passed already. The twenty-five years, the fifteen years, that was gone. 
That wasn't the thing. Right. He was saying, I have rights because of a schos, because of bailus. Right? This was this was this is the introduction of this new concept that you could have bailus on intellectual property. So he says, Waldberg. <laughs> so he was the Rav who presided over this Dintaira. And he wrote a letter to the Shalomesha, who was the God Ladar, to ask him his opinion. So the the Shmuel Waldberg was the Avbezin of Zalakava and Akrais, Vamchois, and it was in Tafresh. This was take, took place in Tafresh Khafalov, which is eighteen sixty one. 1861. He wanted a protest. And he wrote this. Rav Shmuel Valberg said that it really only depends on whether there is a dina de machusa dina, whether there is secular law that protects this. Rav Yosef Tzvi, as in machusa dina v'mloi loi. Ubaka es levaratame. He says outside of the secular law, putting that aside, dealing with halacha, he says hechal derev dvar apiske tshuva shatan rav. Rav Rami Yosef Shekonas Chus Meisam Mechaber. He bought this Chus from the Mechaber himself. So this is Rav Shmuel Waldberg. This Rav writes Shema Macharish Lusheni. Big deal, right? The Piskei Shuvah sold it to him, but what did he sell him? Calls Chus Shiavaliyade. All he could sell him is whatever Chus he has. So what right does the Piskei Shuvah have to his own his own Mechaber? We can have Mechaber Atzme in Lekoyach with Chus Bzeh. The Mechaber himself doesn't have any rights here. Why? Meachar Shabed Fosser Rishon Yishnaf Tav Yishnas Tav Kuv Tzadi Vav in the first print of the Pesach Tshuva, which was in the year Tav Kuv Tzadivav, which was what, which was a, um, about 30 years earlier, uh, 25 years earlier, he didn't write in the Haskama that I, I uh, forbid anybody from printing my Sefer. He didn't write that, right? So the Pesach Tshuva didn't put in that Haskama to prevent and protect himself. So it, wasn't, it never even happened. Maybe if he would have mentioned that, there would be a patent protection until at least the end of the time given. Maybe even after the Sarim Salout, but if it wasn't uh, given any patent, then there's no Isra at all. And he goes on with that. Then he, so now the Shalom Meshav answers back. Well, everything he's saying is Tamwa. Why? He says, you're missing the boat. There's a whole new concept here. The Zevadash, a Sefer Chadash, a Sefer Anuch Sefer, Shematfis Mechaber, Vizacha, and he had this Chos, Shedvar Miskablum on Pnei Tebel, that his words were accepted in, uh, in the entire world. It's Pashat that he has a Chos in those words forever. Very Belavachi, he says. Now, the interesting is, he goes. Um, immediately into what we would now call patent law. <laughs> so in, in secular law, he kind of mixed up two things here. But in, in halacha, he holds it the same. If someone is matfis or machadish, anything, no one else is allowed to copy it without his permission. It's well known. This is a yid from Rabshav. He made some kind of calculator. I don't know what in 1861, what kind of calculator they had. But apparently some kind of calculator. He built some kind of calculator. He got royalties. He got royalties for his invention from the government. Our tires got to be better than them if they got if they awarded him for his invention. That we need to do that. So that 
was again in secular law today that would not give you you would not be entitled to intellectual property over an invention that you would require a patent which would have limited uh, but he's putting actually the two together because truthfully in halacha one can't really differentiate. In other words, if there is such a bilus on a chiddush, so then on a chiddush of an invention, there's no real difference, no reason why you shouldn't have bilus on that either. Go ahead. Do you guys find such an argument like that? Like, they do it, so, you know, we do it. No, you don't. It's unusual. Um, and the basics are not impressed with that part. He says, uh, you know, fakert, you know, that <laughs> don't learn from that. We find yeah. it all the time, where we yeah. say, like, don't think the way that they... Correct, think. right. So he just says, he really what means what he's about to say. He's saying, it's Seichel Mechaivah. He's saying, they, they said it, why? Because it makes sense. Because it's a Dabra Seichel Mechaivah, Mechishoi. Or Maisim Mechol Yoim, Shem Matfis Chibur, if someone is Matfis, a Sefer, Yesh Loi V'Lobah, Koycha Yitzchus, him and his, uh, his people who, who are as Yarshim have the right to it. For the Ezer Shvuas, and it's been a couple of weeks, Shem Matfis Mehalberstadt, uh, the printer in Halberstadt, Ratzel Lahatfis Yamat Halmud and Mefarsha Hayam Shainis. So, Rev. Rev. Deshalom Eshev, Rev. Shmuel Yasef Natanzan, had printed a safer called Mefarsha Hayam and Yamat Halmud. That's Amasachis Babakama. And he printed it together with his brother in law. Two Machabrim on one safer, a little unusual thing. Uh, it's actually used safer on Babakama. It's in the Kaiptim, they all have it to safer. So, he says that a couple of weeks ago, the mattress of Halberstadt wanted to print my safer. The Yamatamid and Vishal Rishya and Mimani Megisya Gain and he asked permission from me and my brother in law. So I wanted to prove he's saying, you know, it's, it's that's what's done. It's, he's saying like this is everybody knows this, you have to ask permission. Then Yoimashamla Muzka's man Mugban, you're gonna say, eh, it doesn't have no there doesn't say any in the Haskamas it never mentioned that they were trying to protect their writes, Hinibit Slach, right? The the Nadi Bihuda Safer on Shast, the Slach, Shanitvis Bizalakava. Aider of Shlomer Rubinstein. Rav Shlomer Rubinstein printed a tzlach. Nitfes sham she nitfas b'hashas b'nei hagoyin a tzlach. It was only printed taking permission from the children of the tzlach. Rav Shlomer legazru israklal. And over there in the Haskamas, they didn't make any kind of limitation on the printing to say that you can't print it for twenty-five years. But nevertheless, they asked permission from the sons of the tzlach whether they can print the tzlach sefer. Filahachi lechafes lahatres built to reshus shehu isragam. They did not uh, want to print without permission because that's an isragam. What? Again, what's the Isagama? Maybe it's just. Yarid? It's not nice. Oh, oh, so that's what the others say. That's what the, the Beis Yitzchak is going to say. He said, you know, you don't want to mess with them, you don't mess around with them. That's going to be the home, the Machlek is throughout this whole thing. There's no rise. Everything is, <coughs> what people did, it's either a Svara or what people did, and the Svara you could argue on, and what people did you could say, for, there's other, they had other motivations for what they did. There's, that's what we're going to be seeing a lot of over here. And what we find in Svarim, so now he has a problem. He says, if you have a right to your own chibur, you have a right to your own chidushim, then why did anybody ever have to go and protect themselves and get haskamis that nobody should be able to print it for 25 years? What do you need that for? You'll have lifetime protection because it's your chidushim. So if we're talking about Tyra, that's not yours anyway, like a Rambam and a Shas, fine, that makes sense. But people did it even for their own Chidushim. Maybe they have more of just an enforcement mechanism? So that's not what he answers. That's not what he answers. That would be a good answer. But that's not what he answers. He says, It's not because he doesn't have the ability to ask it forever. No. 
Zayna. He could he could have asked it forever. The Bishalai is something that belongs to you. Adam Rishai Ligzar Shalai Yatfisu Elamis. He could he could say that he doesn't want it to be printed forever, built through Shusa without his permission, like Bakaikai or his children. Raksha Adra, but no, you know why they did it the other way around. Hamakhabra Batsmi Roitsa Shayatfisu Swarov, Achasha Yiz Kilim Kriswarov. He it's the other way around. He's making it twenty-five years to to limit his protection. He, he, he's trying to encourage people to print it after 25 years. He says, look, give me 25 years, let me make my money back, but I invested in the printing, and then I, do, but not, then I want everybody to print it. So he's giving permission. He's not answering. <laughs> it's like, okay, an argument, but that's, uh, that's what he says, right? Yeah, that's what's going on. And he wants that his kedushim should be spread out all over the world. Someone who is writing a sefer like a sefer whatever. Now, this is another, it's a long tshuva, and there's more to it, I, and I, I just quoted another little piece here, because it's very important to know about this. The Mechabra didn't write that it's Asr to print it. Even if he doesn't write it, it's still Asr to do. And it gives you a little bit of a historical background. If we live in Russia, you can't write in a safer that it's us to do something if the law doesn't allow it. So they didn't have the ability to, and that's what he's going to say, we don't really have the ability to really force enforce anything. All we could do is ask. That's what he writes over here. Says, so, so in this Russia, Isser v'cherem v'koyinam asa l'hasker. You're not allowed to do that. V'lo yisham al pinu ki mitzadam emshala in koyach biyadam ligzarav av lavakish. Even you're not allowed to even ask. Mahaytaim ole nemer shomisser. That's why you won't find any isser in, in different swamps. So, what he writes, what, what that's important is to realize that that um, the copyrights could not be discussed as openly as perhaps they would have liked because it was something that was a very uh, touchy topic with the government. The government did not appreciate that, uh, and, and it actually became a big deal, because after Lamashal, when the Slavita Shas and the, the, the Vilna Shas, that whole argument broke out, so it made its way all the way up to the Tsar, uh, and he dealt with it, and he all then shut down every single printing press in Europe except for two, the one in Vilna and, and the one in Slavita, and that was it. They were no, all other printing presses were, were closed down. They imposed a tax on every single cipher printed. So they, they, they took their position as uh, the copyright enforcers very seriously, and therefore they, it, was, it was very touchy to go from any other angle other than the law, which is what he's pointing out, which is important so to know. Go ahead. If you're saying that the Machaber is always limiting themselves by saying that you're right. here, so <clears throat> what exactly did the Pesachai Chuba think he was doing by selling the rights to someone else? Uh, what, what was, right, right. No, on the contrary, he's saying the opposite. He's saying that Piskachuva actually held like him and held that he does have the full right to it. And the Piskachuva was selling to someone else, saying that yeah, you can you can claim rights for this forever. He's he's actually proving his point from the Piskachuva. Yeah, on the on the contrary, hundred percent. So this was this is all the Shalomeshev's opinion, and the Shalomeshev is basically the benchmark. He is the real source for this concept that there is a, a bylaws you could own your intellectual property, even though it doesn't fit into any rule of ownership that we have in the rest of Shas. You won't find anywhere in Shas that you can own such a thing. This, everything you own in Shas has to be something solid, something physical. 
uh, or kedushin. <laughs> you know, other than that, there's no other kind of bilus that you could have that that, that is that on, on something like this. There's no tushtal even. Even the svarim that try to find any kind of comparison, they can't. There isn't any. Go ahead. Yehuda had a medicine by a lady a few days, and they were old, and she she asked him what's about Shabbos. And she said, "I need it." Just to anyway, she wants to know. So he, she, she told him she she was mashbiah. He shouldn't say it to anyone of them. And then he he went and went over and tell it. And oh. he said instead of. It was over. Yeah. I mean, he stole her. He stole her intellectual property. Her chiddush. Oh, wow. yeah. Interesting. He stole her creation. And the question of the Gemara is, what's with Chilul Hashem? Right. The Gemara doesn't Correct. ask anything. Correct. It was Shavuot. She was a guy, right? Yeah. She was a guy. Yeah. The guy's lock was also. No, no, no. We're going to see. It's a little discussion about intellectual property with a guy. Um, I hear. I hear. Interesting. Okay. It's a good job. I didn't hear. I didn't see them bringing it. What? How could you have a lock without any shas? It's svara. They hold it to svara. Mamash holds it to svara. Svara could make halacha. Yomara says the whole concept of a mitzvichel over is a svara. Right, so you could have uh, you could have uh, uh, specifically a financial Allah could very much be gebait on svara. I think there's a Raman who says that uh, all of all of Kinyanim is 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 based on uh, seichel and right. And Some of it is learned out of sukkim, but yeah, right, true. So yeah, it could be learned out of svara. I mean, it's just a question of bilas. It's just a chiddush is that why is opashtim taka? You know why? We understand that, like, you need a tangible thing for for pilots to understand. But mamish is a problem. The you know, call meila. So you, there's normally you see that there are limitations when something doesn't have a mamashus to it. But this is double pashtim, him, like I said. And we're going to see now the Beis Yitzchak, who was a ben daira of his, um, held the exact opposite. He said, no, there's absolutely no sad like that. There's no no reason why this should be true. Now, okay, we're, I'm not going to read through the whole thing. We're going to have so much time. But he, in the beginning, first he starts with like this. He's talking about, actually, uh, something that became a little popular later on, uh, stealing some. <laughs> right? So this is, a, this is a big deal. And as Israel, they stole the Briskorovsk some, and they stole this and that. Lot, lot of this. Stealing some is a thing. Um, especially when, when the, the reason why it was done was because the Mechaber or the children of the Mechaber didn't want to print it at all because they understood that the Mechaber didn't want it printed. It was his own personal notes, and then they stole it, so on and so forth. These days you have this recording. Yeah, right, yeah, same I, idea. I have a Rebbe who officially doesn't let people record. A hundred percent, yes. like bootleg yes. recordings of Rishon Spets floating that's, around. That's exactly what it is, and that's where Ramesh talks about that. So, so he's talking about stealing Ksav. So he says, he, first he says that he doesn't really, he'll take a, we'll start from the beginning, a little, a little bit of the beginning, then we'll skip. So uh, take a look. At the end of the first line, I don't really know what the difference is. Let's say you were sitting in a shear and you heard someone's chidush I rob or you went and saw it in someone's writings. Your rabbi taught you some chidush You're not allowed to teach that chidush to someone else. Yeah, you'll, you'll attribute it. You know, you'll give it an attribution and then you'll say it over. If so, if you saw someone's ksavim, why would you not be able to then be mefarsim? So that his Torah should get uh, spread out to the world. So then he says, maybe you can make a chilek. Between, if you hear a shear, that he says, I don't hear any, any sound in the world that you shouldn't be allowed to disseminate it. That's pashtin, which now is not so pashtin anymore. 
because public, the, public domain. The, yeah, but Bilamais is not in in uh, in Ramosha is not so pashtim him if someone. But anyway, that's that's one thing. He's not talking about verbatim, though. Yeah, correct. It wouldn't be verbatim, right? I mean, a tape is actually verbatim, so maybe more of your thing. Right. I hear that. So in any case, he says that's pashtim you could. But he says in Ksavim that he hears more that you should be entitled to Bailus because he said there's a lot of different ways a person can publish Ksavim. He, the people who are publishing it might not do a good job. They might not do a proper, a proper job. A person trusted his children that they're going to do the correct job. Also, he wanted to be Mazaka them with the mitzvah. So they have certain Bailus from that angle. So he, had, he has different... A different, he has a discussion that maybe they have some kind of source. But he says, Ulam. Take a look at the last paragraph here on the other side. Uh, but what if the, the Mechabra Svarim actually printed his Tyra? He printed his Tyra and he sold his Svarim, right? So someone printed a Sefer, Pisgah Chuba printed his Sefer and sold it. And now that's all sold and it's out there, you can learn it. And if they got sold out, why shouldn't someone else be allowed to be mezaka, people in this generation, and to print it and sell it for cheap? It's also to print it even if they didn't have a special iser in a haskama. He gave his Torah over to everybody else, and he says there's absolutely no bias, and you can tell. So the basically disagrees with the whole concept of, of, uh, of intellectual property. He says they don't see any proof that you have such kind of bias, you have such a kind of a right. He, doesn't, he disagrees with all the proofs. He goes through each one of these stories that he said about the tzlach. He says they were just trying to be nice, they were just trying to be respectful, and there's no proof that it's a real iser, no proof that, it's a, uh, that there's anybody holds like that, and he discredits the whole thing. That's the opinion and of the basic And would that extend to saying that it would be the wrong thing to do, to, to go and to seek uh, protection using secular will? Meaning no, so he says, he ends up saying that if the secular law will protect you. He does say that secular law will protect you. Because uh, you could take his argument further and say that the fact that, that uh, there's no halachic uh, basis to do this means it's the wrong thing to do. And right. No, so everybody, uh, right. everybody seems to agree that secular law is a valid protection. Um, and the reason is, you have to learn the story of Dina Melchizedin a little bit, but this is effectively what many Paiskim agree that Dina Melchizedin was made for, it was said for. In other words, Dina Melchizedin is to protect the people of the, of, of, of the Medina. Uh, financial protection is part of what we have law for. For We all agree to have such a law. We want to have such a law. Rabbi Yashiv writes that even in Eretz Yisrael, where many people hold that you don't say Dina Melchizedina because the government doesn't have a right to exist. It's a child. It's in Rishonim. I speak about it. It's not Tzianim. Uh, you know, it's not that. It's not a recent child. It's actually Rishonim and, and Nadarim talk about it. Iran. But even if you don't, even according to Rishonim, who say you don't say Dina Melchizedina, he says this you will have. This, this protection you will have. This is a common protection that everybody needs to have. What? Not all Chashim Mishpat halachas, but, but many of the halachas that like these, that are there to, just to protect the tzibur, those kind of halachas, he says, you, you're going to have. And uh, those chusim you have. So the, the dina machus dina is a very valid argument. But, as we'll see, um, you know, like I just showed you right now, the Shalom Meshav himself, uh, he extended ex- uh, intellectual property on Sfarim to an invention of a calculator, and secular does not give you that protection, right? So we're, what, what, what halacha might have 
won't necessarily give you this chosim that, um, that 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 the secular law does. And and, and another thing, Lamashal, the Chafetz Chaim uh, Svarim are not protected by copyright law anymore because it's too long after his uh, after his passing, right? So a hundred years after he passed away, the, he's, he's not protected anymore. Halacha was still granted to him, right? So it's not so 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 uh, intellectual property. It's it's questionable, and in, 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 as well as what we're going to see more is you know the. Go ahead. So Mr. Bru he allowed, but there were certain swarm he actually said that his uh, we'll see later. He yeah he said that his his yarshim have his chus to them. The other swarm, not not Mr. Bru. So um, what's interesting though is what what's more the much more the common shaila with uh, today about uh, let's say you want to photocopy a, uh, out of a safer because you want to use it in your classroom, right? You want to photocopy a book for yourself, or you want to do backup copies of uh, of, of of music of software. Things like that, that according to copyright law, it's actually allowed, but the people who own the copyright might be Macbeth. For example, like Art School writes in their beginning of this thing, right, just it's usher to copy any part, anything for any kind of use, personal or private or anything you can, might chalum that you might want to use it for. It's all usher, bin lu me and halachti, and it's not true. Uh, the, you, the secular law does not protect you from that. I looked it up today. I don't know if it's like every single state, but I looked up in a couple. And it's, uh, you, there's something called re- fair use, reasonable use. Fair use is not uh, protected by copyright. So if you're just making a copy for your classroom, as long as they, they just keep it or throw it away, I don't know what it is, you have to write that it's protected by copyright. That, that you have to do. So you have to write on the copy that it's protected by the copyright. All, all rights belong to the copyright holder. But once you do that, you're allowed to do that. If you're not selling, you're not making any money off it. So that would be another case where secular law won't protect you, but halachically, if you're the bailam, then you do have the right to say whatever you want. Right? You, could, you, could, you could make any kind of uh, tenai that you, you, feel you see fit. So, so uh, it's going to be negea to, be, to know what halachically is the status of these kind of things. <clears throat> so let's see, the last, uh, the last marmokum I have over here is Michas Yitzchak, so as one of the contemporary swarm. There's many contemporary swarm. There's actually a whole sefer written on this topic. Uh, this is just a couple of pages which I printed, hopefully <laughs> with permission <laughs> from Yitzchak Chachma. I imagine they gave it to Yitzchak Chachma, they had permission. Um, so he has someone with a whole sefer on this, uh, just on this topic alone. So anyway, take a look at the Michas Yitzchak. The Michas Yitzchak was written, this, this tshuva was about... Um, the Chidusha HaRaivon. Chidusha HaRaivon is a Rishon. Um, the old Chidusha HaRaivon was illegible, uh, full of mistakes, not usable, and then someone redid it, and then someone was redoing it from the... Redo- from the someone else was now pl- making a second printing. And that was their Machlaikas. So he says, he has a whole tshuva about something or another, and then in the, in the middle he gets to this, and again, he goes with the same kind of approach where he just brings the proof from all kind of G'dayla Hadiris that it's okay. Is it possible for someone to make an Isser to not be matfis his Chibur without permission? This is talked about a lot already. Whatever. So I already saw in the Sefer Tours Shar that was printed in Tafresh non Aleph, so that's 1891. Um, I think that everybody knows, I don't have to prove it. 
Everybody has their ability to answer that his own creation. So they were, they wrote the sefer and they were answering anybody from copying it and printing it. And therefore they answer from printing their sefer. So Sefer Das Kedoshim is a very chash of a Sefer, also on Hilchas Mezuzah and Sefer Torah and Tefillin, and uh, was from the Buchacha, the, the, who was also the Eshel Avram and Shulchan Aruch, and it was very hard to put it out because there were hundreds and thousands of papers uh, that had to be Mesudr. They write over there also in the Haskama that it's also to do. That in the the Mishnayis they printed Hagoyis Taisus Rabbi Kiveger and someone said what right do you have to print to to print Taisus Rabbi Kiveger did you ask permission from the Yarshim and he said I did get permission from the Yarshim and so on and so forth so he brings different kinds of sources where you find the Gedolah Hadar all assumed that it was their property and then he even mentions look at the next paragraph his son. Uh, or grandson wrote wrote the grandson yeah the sefer actually was mafker his farm he said call me anybody who wants to print my farm can print my farm so the chasam sefer was mafker he says you see sefer had to be mafker if it wouldn't have been mafker it would have been us you see chasam sefer holds it's us ayin sham avakar kasev all but was based hitzchak and the base Yitzchak just writes about this chasam sefer ice hey alder chasam sefer now he says the mikumay tzadik niskav he was a big tzaddik, so he was willing to give up his svarim. He had But nowadays, the children of are very, very poor. They have no choice but to find parnasa from their their fathers and grandfathers' svarim. His own personal opinion is like we saw before, is that the Mechaber doesn't have a bylaws. And this is the important line over here. So the Mechaber the, the is writing, which is pretty much the assumption of Paiskim, is that the, the, that opinion is not the opinion that we go with Lalacha. Well, the opinion we go with Lalacha is the Shalom Meshiv, and you do have a bylaws. On on, uh, on on these things, uh, and then he writes these talks about what the Chavetz Chaim wrote that the Chavetz Chaim gave permission to anybody to print um, Chavetz Chaim, Avaz Chesed, and Mr. Brura. He gave anybody permission to print it. He gave some time. He says you have to keep the Tzur Sadaf, whatever. But he he did he did give permission to print it. And then the other swarm that he wrote, he said that those were left over to my children and my grandchildren. So you see, he also held that there was some kind of right. Again, the people who disagree say the Chavetz Chaim was a God Adar, and he was asking people to honor his wishes. It's like a Mitzvah Machaz Ma'is Misa. Who's going to disagree? Who's going to dishonor the Chavetz Chaim and not do what he's asking? Asking you to do. So it's not a proof that he holds this us or not. It's a proof that that he has the right to ask you to do that. So does Dershu putting all the stuff on the other page that uh, violate <laughs> Yeah, right. Times? Good question. I didn't change it through the doubt. You know, there's an interesting about about this, what he's saying that the Chavetz Chaim was just asking. There was an interesting uh, secular case where there was a woman, I forgot her name, uh, she, she was a photographer and uh, she T- donated something like 100,000 pictures to Library of Congress. She made it public domain. Anybody who wants could use, could use those pictures. So then Getty Images, I don't know if you're familiar, like anytime you find images on the, your, you know, wife always uses them, Getty Images went and appropriated like 19,000 of them. Um, and just, it's free, right? So they put it into their collection. They took them off Google now. Oh, uh, did they? Every, every time you search images, they come up. 
Right. So they had some kind of issue with that. And oh, really? I think, I they, think with the Getty, Getty images, you mean? They had issues with, yeah. Yeah, because people were taking Getty's images. So right. I think Google, I think when you search now, Image they, they, they don't, don't really come, come up or they don't come up as much as they would have. Interesting. So anyway, listen to this chutzpah. So they, so they went and took these, this freeware, right, this free, free images. They took it and they put it into their collection. Then the woman herself, who took the photograph, downloaded it from their website. And then they sued her for copyright infringement. <laughs> and she said, hey, what, this is mine. <laughs> so, so when we went to court, she was, she was suing them, you know, for like a, to, that they should get punished for doing that. Like, how could they take money for my thing? And the court said that, obviously, they have no case against you because it's not theirs. But what they're doing is not wrong either. You can take something that's free and charge people money for it. Um, and as long as they don't know better, you're not a ganav. Now, I, that I found fascinating from a halachic perspective. Meaning to say, if I would take the Mishnah Brewer and I would make a say, you know, oh, uh, I found a new thing from the Chavz Chaim that I'm the Bailam, you know, and no one would, <laughs> no, no one would contest me. Uh, by law, they would say, call a kavod, you know. <laughs> I, th- I thought that's called conning people, but apparently it's not. It's, uh, you, you, can, you can do that. What? Yeah, no, halachically, I don't think you would have... Halachically, you would be a gazlan, right? Getting images are gazlanim. It's chamas. Yeah, 100%. Um, anyway, so that's a, a, an example of where things are for kert, but that's not unusual. Um, the Shapsi Frankel Rambam, right? So right when it started coming out, they got his comments from, like, everybody. Uh, yeah, from the Stipler, from Meisha Feinstein, Shemal uh, Ehrenfeld, it's the Matzavarov, they have from, I think this is Diane Weiss, the whole, yeah, they're from Shalaka Fisher, uh, Vosner, so on and so forth, right? They're from everybody, everybody who's anybody. So, they're Moshe Feinstein and the Stifler, both write in their Haskamas, that it's Pashat, that it's Osir, to copy or to print to any part of this Rambam. So they both write as Osir, they don't write why. The Stifler writes, um, he quotes the Chuvasura Ma, which is patent. But then he writes that it's also also without that. He says, the Kolshkein im yoiz lahatfiz kemaisa harishin im hai suffers with Hedush of Shechidesh. And certainly, if you're going to try to steal what Shapsi Frankel did with his Hesophis and his Hedushim, Shazen Nachlos Harishin Mamish. That's the, that's the property of the person who created it. The Kolshkein lashes kemiskunta de tfus offset, and you're going to photocopy it. That's Mamish stealing his thing. You're totally being Mazikim. Then, and Ramesha, unfortunately, they, they just did the handwritten version. They didn't write it. Over. I'm having a hard time re- writing it, but reading it. But basically, he says pretty much the same thing. Uh, and he writes that it's Asr because they, they put in so much effort and they invested so much money. And you're being mazik then, um, and he quotes, uh, "It's a hezik goggle," and he says, "Certainly nowadays manazesh of photographia the gamtfus who hezik gamri." So they're they're focusing a lot that you're being mazik then, which, in other words, it's not. Which is an interesting way to look at it, which means like this: it's not literal stealing, maybe. Because you can't call something stealing if you don't really take. You don't have something which I'm taking, right? So it has to be a mazik you, 
which means I'm just damaging your profits. They're avoiding, they seem to be avoiding having to come onto the fact that you have any bylaws. Right. Maybe you don't have bylaws, it's just that it's, it's this, th- it could be anything. Well, Maybe you had e- no bylaws. Even Mazik requires bylaws for me to be, us or for me to be Mazik you. But, but the difference between Mazik and Gezel is that Gezel requires that something is yours, I have it. So there's something in my possession which is your money, right? That, that Gezel requires that. Mazik does not require that. Because it can be an Isra Mazik where just I'm causing you to lose money. I don't have to have right. in my possession something of yours. Let's say I... No, no, no. Bias it has to be. But it just doesn't... Gezel requires that I have something of yours. With intellectual property that might be impossible to, to, to say that, right? I, how could I have something that's yours if it's nothing, right? If I have something, I'm psyched or something. I'm sure, and, and, you, and then you go and you're, and you're, and you're Mazik. Now I'm going to owe the right. Bible or something. So, they, so that's that. that so that's, that's like a Dabra kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, so fine. Yeah, yeah. So Mazik is lesser. It's, it's it, it. You can be Mazik people with. They have to. Have, they don't need the same level of Bilas for you to right, cause right, Hezek right. to Correct. The real bylaws, Correct. So anyway, so that might be what they're getting at. But the the, the 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 thing is like this. The thing is, then it would only apply if you actually are damaging the person in terms of he could make money, he could sell. But let's say you. Uh, uh, are, are like this. Let's say you know you uh, a software license, right? So you need a officially you're supposed to have a software license to each computer you have, right? So if you want to put Microsoft Word on uh, one computer, you want to put it on a second computer, you have to buy a second license, a third license, a fourth license, right? You now let's say you don't do that and you crack the code and you put it on all your computers. You were not massacring them. <laughs> you didn't sell something of theirs that that uh, you just didn't pay for it. But that's not that's not a hezek over here. The hezek they're talking about is that if you make copies and sell it, so you're being massacring him. Well. I understand, so it's Manias Rabbah. But the, the, here, the Hezek they're talking about, to be called Mazik means that I'm taking your creation, your Shapsi Franco, and I'm selling it to other people, right? Well, that's still us, sir. That's still us, sir, right? Correct. No, but I'm saying for me to use it for myself. I want to have a Shapsi Frankel in my shul, in my house, and in my car. So I make photocopies of it. I understand, but I'm not Mazikim. You can't call that. No, 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 no it's not even Gramas Hezek. It's not even a Gramas. It wasn't Mazikim at all. I just, I'm not, otherwise I wouldn't do it. I'm not buying three sets of Frankel. That's not happening. I'm just making my life easier. If I don't do that, I have to go schlepping around. There's no way in the world I'm buying three sets. One set's enough for me, that's right? Okay, so maybe you want to make that argument. But Akabonim is not Pasha, that's my point. If it's Gezel, then it makes no difference. I stole. They didn't give, this is what he gave me his chos for. I didn't give him his for something else. Mazik, it's not such a Pasha time. And that's why it becomes very relevant when it comes to tapes, and especially with digital stuff. So I just want to read off a couple of uh, psakim that Rebel Yashiv wrote. And more importantly, the one that's the most negea is about software or music that belongs to Gayim. Because this is, uh, this is a big guitar, for, for example. Um, there's, there's a few... Uh, have you ever had to get a new key for uh, Toyota, Ford, whatever? Yeah, have you ever done it? You have to get a new key and a clicker? Have you done it through like a, a locksmith? Uh, auto locksmith? Or have you done it on your own? Okay. If you get it from auto locksmith, how much you have to pay something like $150, $200, $250. Go to Toyota, you're paying $250, right, for a key. If you buy the key online, the key costs $10 and the clicker costs $15. So $25. Now the problem is how do you program it? It has to be programmed, right? So in order to program it, you need software. So the software, each, each car company has their own software. And that software, they lease to the auto mechanics. And the lease costs $1,500 a year. Okay, that's why, you, but now, the thing is, online, you can get all the software for free. 
You can download it and they, uh, with the key and the crack. So you can get all the stuff. You can do it all on your own if you little, you know, have to be a little tech savvy, but you can do it yourself. So it's a question of $1,500 uh, or $250 versus $25. And if you have multiple keys, it's like a serious, a very, very serious difference, right? So the question is now exactly how we're going to term this isser, this, uh, this intellectual property is going to down how we're going to look at it by Gaim. That's not one thing. And we'll see, he'll talk about that in a second. And the second thing is like this. Uh, a question I get constantly asked is that uh, people put their music videos on YouTube, right? So a lot of the Jewish singers put their music videos on YouTube. And it's very easy to download it and then separate it so that you just have, you can make it into an MP3. So you effectively got the MP3 for free, right? Their music, you got it for free. And they want to know, is it to do that? So I always assumed that it is. And the reason why I assumed it is is because if you put something on YouTube, it's like Zuta Shalyam. It's like you threw it into the ocean. Everybody knows. You put it on YouTube, it can be easily downloaded. So by definition, you've kind of been mafkarit. Uh, it's like Yush, right? For a, partic- for a particular True, but everybody knows Everybody knows that you can do that, right? Well, so knows yeah, you went, it's like, I, to my eyes, it's like you took it and you put it in the Rosh Hashanah, right? Because that, that's what it is. Putting it on YouTube is opening it to everybody to download. Now, I see in this Sefer, he, go, he asked Rabbi Yash about these Shilas, about Gaim and about, uh, about YouTube. Well, not about YouTube specifically. What? What's Sefer that's in? Oh, it's called um, Mishnas Zchuyas Hayoitzer. It's written by Rabbi Nachum Weisfish. This is a Dianet Shilas, I so anyway, so uh, he asked Rabbi Yashav, I'll start with the other one first. He asked Rabbi Yashav about Zutu Shalyam, about this concept of Yush. And Rabbi Yashav disagrees. Now, his question wasn't my question. I, my, the, what I'm talking about is a person puts it onto YouTube. In my mind, that's, that's Lahedya throwing it out the window. He's to, he wants to know Bukhlal. He says maybe the whole concept of being protected is already Yush because everybody knows you can't, the government is not going to prosecute and, uh, you know, you have your, you, it's so easy to steal MP3s, it's so easy to steal software, to pirate it. So maybe, by definition, it's Yush, the person who puts out the music, the person who creates the software, gives up on, 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 on protecting his. I don't want to listen to it. What? No, I don't mean that. Let's say he. he and, and I, first, I want to talk about. That's my question. But first, I want to talk about what he is talking about. He's he is talking about stamina, anything, all music, all software. It's very easy to pirate it. It's very easy to steal it. So maybe the guy is miyayish. Maybe the Baal, the person who owns it is miyayish. So that Rabbi Yashav said he's not. He says Osir, the kol yitzirish and nestel mataras ravach, anything that a person. Um, made for the sake of making money, and he writes kolas chuyas shmuris, then he's protecting his copyright. Umdenuhu the umden is shemeshayir lasme chuyas hataka. He's being meshayir to himself the schus of copying. Veloyem rina shavi kazutu shalyam. It's not like zutu shalyam. Sharei hayetzira ena vudu mikol adam. The creation is not lost. In other words, he still, I guess, has the ability to protect his copyright, even though he might not be. Practical, it might not be worthwhile, but he has the ability to protect it. So he's saying it's not a zutashiyam. Zutashiyam is only when you lose your ability to protect it. So, like when you throw something into the ocean, you, it's it, you lost your ability to protect that thing. That is zutashiyam. This, you didn't lose your ability, you're not, it's not worthwhile. So that's why he says you don't have that header. Now, I would think though with YouTube it's worse, because YouTube, you talk, I don't think you'd be able to protect it. If you put something onto YouTube, and then I, there's no way you can stop me legally from downloading it from YouTube. <laughs> Uh, that's that's that you put it onto the public domain. YouTube does pay like ad revenue to, to publishers, though. 
Right. So if you download it, then it's not counting as a view. And one hundred percent, you're being mazik them. You are totally being mazik them. Yes, and you're denying them that 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 income. One hundred percent. So that's why that's why it's a question, and that's why it's different from what you're saying. Like, what's the big deal? I could go to YouTube. No, they they make they gain if you do it on YouTube when you download it. They do not. Yeah. So that's true. So so, but in any case, I still think it's true about YouTube. But maybe you know one could disagree. Regarding a guy, he says an interesting thing. He says that if you get something from a guy beheter and then you use it be'iser, right, so which means you then, you know, I got the, I, the guy gave me his software, and then I violated the license agreement. So if I violated the license agreement, now the guy, say, the guy says, okay, no, now you're not allowed to have it anymore. So for me to hold it on, hold on to it is not gezel at that point, it's chamas. Because I got it be'heter. Chamas means when you take something not by and gezel, so to hold on to it is le'sachman, it's iser of chamas. And it's chamas, he says, it's only from a yid, not from a guy. Unless, but he says you can only do it if the guy would be tevei, you would pay. You have to do it al manas that if the guy actually ever tracks you down, which he says is probably not going to happen, but you, have to, you can only do it if you do it al manas that if the guy tracks you down, then you're going to pay. And then he says, then he kind of puts in afterwards, but if it's very easy to pay, you should pay. I don't understand exactly what it, that, where that fit in. But that, that is something I've heard, Samazai, we'll, we'll finish with this, that um, with, with products that are owned by Gaim, you can... There is more makam lahakal to be saimach on some of the other price game, you know, that, that there's, there's, it's not so pasha the gazel, or a, certain situations it's not so pasha. There, there's a little bit more makam lahakal because, again, there's not a pasha gazel over here. Pasha gazel, of course, is also gazel akam is as well. Uh, but anyway, I didn't have more time, but Rabbi Yashu goes through a whole bunch of different cases over here, which are kind of scary. He says that if, uh, if you have a graphic designer who takes an image and you find out that uh, she, she or he use that image uh, illegally. You have to take down all those ads. He says you have to take down all those ads. Uh, and he says if you're the graphic designer and your boss wants you to use a image illegally, you have to you might have to quit your job. He said you have to. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's pretty stuck. Anyway, shkayach.